This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's November 9th. I'm Michael Douglas, filling in for Christine Hargis, and I've got Todd Campbell, our regular contributor on the line. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, this is going to be a fascinating show, and I think uh, hopefully we're going to deliver a lot of value to people. I mean, as you led with, uh, it's November 9th, and that means that yesterday was a pretty important day. Yes. uh, In case anyone who's listening is not aware, yesterday was, in fact, an election day. Uh, Hopefully, you were all aware and all got the chance to vote and exercise your civic duties. So, let's hop right in. Uh, Donald Trump is the president-elect. Um, and the market responded. And it was really interesting because um, at first there was a significant move down in the market. I mean, at one point, uh, I, I saw uh, futures uh, on, I think, the Dow down more than 700 points. Um, at this point, and it's roughly uh, early afternoon uh, on the 9th, uh, the SP 500 is actually up a little bit. Um, this is all more or less normal. Um, historically, the market's moved around 1% a day uh, over the last uh, four elections. Uh, and so, you know, this is like not totally abnormal in terms of market movement. There's always a little bit of a response when uh, when somebody gets elected. Um, and interestingly, as well, the uh, healthcare is generally moving very positively. Um, the uh, the IVV, the biotech index, has been up as much as eight percent today. Um, so certainly, those with a lot of healthcare in their portfolios are probably seeing some green. Especially if they happen to be focused on the biotech area of healthcare, which is right. just absolutely taking off today, and there's a number of reasons, which you know you and I will chat about with uh, our listeners uh, in a second. I just want to go backwards in time for one minute, and just you you mentioned last night there were the futures had indicated a massive uh, potential drop in the S and P, and I think it, it's good to remind investors that not to pay too much attention to those very illiquid overnight markets when when you know that it's they can make huge swings up or down mm-hmm. and i know that it can be frightening at times on balance ignore them because the result could be very different uh the next day once those markets open yes um, and that and that is that is an important i mean if there's one takeaway from everything i'll just go ahead and give it away it's that we should always uh treat uh intraday day of week of moves with a lot of skepticism. I mean the number of times that um, something somebody has had a quote or a tweet or there was a rumor of a thing and stocks moved a bunch and it ended up really kind of not meaning much in the long term. Um, so you know that's definitely the foolish way to, to think about it. Thank you for that, Todd. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I guess that segues actually pretty nicely into what we're going to be talking about today. Especially, um, I, you know, I'd like to focus a little bit of attention on this biotech situation because you know that's the basket within healthcare that's performing uh, so much m- more strongly than these other baskets. We talk about some of the losers today as well mm-hmm. um, as we go forward. You know, that as many of you know who've been listening to the show and following uh, the biotech sector, it's suffered uh, a lot of, of selling in the past year. Uh, you know, there were there were revelations of, of um, incredibly high price increases last fall that led uh, presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton uh, to come out with a number of different strategies or policy plans that she uh, hoped would cap uh, pricing or limit the cost of drugs uh, to payers and patients. Um, 
As a result, the election of Donald Trump last night changes the dynamic a lot uh, for what kind of a regulatory environment we could be in for this sec- this industry uh, over the course of the next four years. Yeah, or at least in terms of the rhetoric. And, and I mean, I think one of the really important things that we all have to kind of accept and acknowledge in elections is that, you know, there is a lot of discussion about what could be done and what would like to get done. And then, you know, whoever you have elected, as president, then ends up asking to work with Congress and has to work with the federal bureaucracy, and and so it's never never quite as simple as I think people sort of present it as. Um, but certainly the tenor of that conversation has changed a lot now, um, and uh, because I mean you certainly have uh, a Donald Trump uh, presidency, at least in rhetoric so far, would be um, we would think less hostile to um, to drug uh, to drug company price increases in general. Sure. I mean, you know, on the campaign trail, the two candidates presented uh, very different approaches on how they wanted to to their view for healthcare moving forward. Mm-hmm. On on the one side, you had Hillary Clinton advocating for uh, changing uh, changes on the margin, if you will, <clears throat> to Obamacare uh, that would improve it uh, and potentially expand it. And then on the other side, you had Donald Trump advocating for the removal uh, and replacement uh, of Obamacare uh, entirely. So you've got some significant um, um, potential shifts. And with Congress also going red, um, I think that while some of the the smaller policy differences between the two still could get debated fairly handily, uh, and again, we don't know how this whole Obamacare thing will shake out once everybody starts negotiating, uh, but it would seem like uh, we're coming, we're gonna have a big change, you know, to, to how uh, insurance is provided in Washington, at least. Yes, uh, certainly, the Republican Party has largely run on an anti-Obamacare uh, platform, and and so um, it seems that. And again, we can't predict the future, but it seems like that is um, something that could happen. And um, if so, what's interesting about that is that that is actually potentially a bit of a con for these biotech companies that are, you know, stock prices doing very well today um, because you have a, a lesser patient pool. Fewer insured patients tends to mean less healthcare. Um, right. You had like 12 million uh, people enroll in insurance plans through Obamacare on the exchanges uh, earlier this year. I think the effective or the ones who paid gets mm-hmm. you down to a little bit less than 11 million. Uh, you got a lot of Medicaid expansion states, uh, 30 plus of them. Um, where a number of millions of, of people got enrolled there as well. Theoretically, depending on what replaces Obamacare, we don't know whether or not the overall pool of, of, of people that could get reimbursed for medication is going to shrink. If it shrinks, then that could be a drag on the top line. Um, however, you could also argue on the other side that there are other components of the ACA or Obamacare that if removed, would actually offset that headwind and could uh, actually provide some tailwinds. Right. Um, now, of course, healthcare, um, as I've just, dis- <laughs> one of my favorite things to say about healthcare is we call it one industry, but it's really like seven or eight at least. Um, and so, you know, you've got biotech, and of course, that gets a lot of the, uh, a lot of the attention, a lot of the oxygen on this program. Um, but there are other parts of healthcare, and their, uh, the, the stock price response uh, to uh, Donald Trump's election. Um, has been very different. I mean, most notably, the hospital stocks are just not having a good day. Let's put it that way. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, you look at large companies. You know, again, go back to some of the, I guess, the the positives. If if Obamacare is rolled back, 
Um, and then you look at the tax plan that, that Trump has has proposed on from business taxes, you could get a significant drop in the tax rate for all of these companies, the ones that are profitable, uh, down to 15%, which conceivably would be um, a positive. There's also the potential to repatriate cash. Uh, that could be big for some of the large cap biotech companies that right. operate overseas. Um, so that's a potential benefit there, not only for biotech, but also for the, the big drug makers like Pfizer. Uh, which you know I think has something absurd like a hundred billion dollars in cash or something overseas. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's 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 a lot of different kind of nuances that you got to take into consideration here as you're evaluating um, the different industries within the healthcare sector. Uh, biotech just being you know one one segment of that. You know I think that there's there's less of a risk to price controls uh, now, and that would be good for specialty drug makers mm-hmm. um, and makers of, say, expensive um, uh, cancer drugs, life-saving treatments, that type of thing. Um, you mentioned hospitals as being a, a loser today. A- absolutely. Um, if Obamacare is repealed, that could push more people into uninsured care or increase the bad debt expense at hospitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, billions of dollars came off um, of bad debt expense over the last few years after the passage of, of Obamacare. And that's why you're seeing a number of these hospital stocks fall 20% today uh, or more. Uh, and then, of course, you've also got, you know, the insurers that you t- got to take into consideration on this too, Michael, right? Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's it's kind of a, an interesting nuance because um, some of them have um, really struggled with the exchanges, but others have really benefited from Medicaid expansion. Um, and, and so I, I think... What it really comes down to is if you're trying to pick long-term winners and losers today from this election, that's going to be a very difficult thing to do because there's been a lot of rhetoric, there's been a lot of, of sort of broad-based um, conversations about these things, but the devil's in the details, and it's going to be really difficult to know really who's going to benefit and what nuanced change will make a big difference to uh, any one group. Um, and so, you know, my my general thoughts for our listeners is uh, are Gosh, I'm uh, not very good at the grammar today. Apparently, uh, my my general thoughts for our listeners are, you know, watch, you know, keep keep an eye out, um, but don't necessarily make decisions about your portfolio based on what's going on in the market today or on what you think might end up coming out of a uh, unified Republican government and um, national legislature. Wait until you see the policy proposals and sort of better understand exactly what um, what the winners and losers could be. Right. In the past, you, you know, you and I talked, uh, Christine and I often talk about this. It's you got to look at the longer term picture as yep. being the driving force behind healthcare, And that includes a larger, older and longer living population. Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, long term, the demographic tra- tailwinds for healthcare still make it a very attractive uh, sector. So let's wrap that there. Um, before we head on to our next uh, segment, uh, just want to let you all know that this episode of IF is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicket Loans. Um, this election has been extremely stressful for many people, a trade at shares in common with applying for a mortgage. Rocket Mortgage wants to ease that burden by bringing the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution. 
that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all of this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Again, that's quickenloans.com fool. They're an equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Thanks again to Rocket Mortgage for, by Quicken Loans for supporting our podcast. So, let's head into our second segment, and that's talking about individual state ballot questions. And my, oh my, there was quite a bit about health care. Uh, do we want to start with uh, California Prop 61, Todd? Yeah, we'll, we'll take this one because it's, it's, it's easy and it kind of segues nicely into what we were just talking about as far as uh, drug pricing and the future of drug pricing. Mm-hmm. California had something on the docket. It was, a, it was a California Drug Price Relief Act, and it was also known as Proposition 61. And Proposition 61 sought to tie California's health care spending, so the state's spending on drugs, uh, to the prices that are, were being, are paid by the, um, the VA, the Veterans uh, Affairs uh, Department. And um, the, the concept there was that the Veterans Affairs Department typically can pay you know, 40 to 50 percent of whatever the list price happens to be for um, an individual medicine. Uh, so therefore, by by passing this, you're basically saying, okay, we're going to get whatever the lowest price is that the VA is passing on these drugs, and theoretically, that'll save California as a state a lot of money. Right, um, and it didn't pass. The, didn't didn't pass. The, uh, the, the drug very... uh, the drug uh, industry was spent over a hundred million lobbying against it, and it's believed to be the most ever spent on a, a California ballot measure. Yeah, 100, 106 or 109 million, depending on who you listen to, uh, was spent um, defeating this this proposition. Um, there were a lot of different things that could have happened. Even if it had passed, <clears throat> they may have escaped some of the some of the the meat or the of of the proposition. But regardless, it's a non-event um, because it was defeated. Uh, proponents, I think, battled that 106 or 109 million with I think they had 17 million. So <laughs> I guess it tells you a little something. But um, but yeah, I mean, so it it suggests that okay, you know, we're still in the hunt or still hunting for ways to control um, the costs of increasing drug uh, prices. But at least as far as California voters are concerned, tying it to the price that's paid by you know other government organizations or government payers such as the VA is not the way to go. Yeah, um, and so I, I think you know one of the this is I mean there is a a, a large conversation going on about drug pricing in the United States um, and that the drug uh, industry is engaged in as well with other uh, stakeholders including payers and patient uh, patient uh, advocacy groups and hospitals etc. And so this is definitely a conversation that's going to continue, uh, just not in this particular way. Um, I, I do not think that um, the drug pricing conversation is over uh, by any means, and, and and I don't think anyone really thinks that it is either. So, um, so it's definitely going to be something that continues and continues to be an issue that people are, are talking about and, and voting on. Um, let's also turn uh, to marijuana initiatives. There were a number of them that passed and a few that failed as well. Uh, what, Florida had a medical marijuana? Uh, yeah, there were nine states in total that yeah. had marijuana on the ballot, and not all of them were recreational. I mean, just to give a little refresher, there's four states right now that have passed recreational marijuana legislation. There are about 25 states that have passed medical marijuana legislation. And on uh, yesterday's ballots, you had California, Nevada, Maine, and Massachusetts, and Arizona uh, that had recreational um, on the ballot. Yeah, on the ballot. And then you had 
a host of other states like Arkansas, Florida, North Dakota, Montana that were um, were taking up the medical marijuana side. Broadly speaking, Michael, pro-marijuana advocates won the day yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you had medical marijuana passing in North Dakota, um, expand use of medical in Montana, um, recreational in Massachusetts, recreational. Yeah, recreational, Michael, passed in every state except for Arizona. So right. California passed it, Nevada passed it. Maine was really close call. I'm not sure if they finished calculating all of the uh, all the votes, but early results show that it passed there and Massachusetts passed as well. Yeah, I mean, so certainly a, a big win for marijuana advocates. Um, of course, here's the here's the thing with uh, with medical marijuana and with recreational marijuana. Um, there are no uh, good publicly traded business models right now that that really uh, rely on. Um, the sorts of things that these ballot measures are talking about. Um, you've got your uh, cannabidiol biotechs, but they are really not that related to um, medical or recreational use of marijuana. And so, um, while their stock prices may move or not move based on a poll or on um, you know the outcome of these initiatives, um, it really doesn't indicate anything yet about the underlying um, business model of a publicly traded marijuana company. Um, there just simply aren't any good ones right now. Right. Most of them trade on the pink sheets. They're not suitable for the majority of our listeners to even consider. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, it's not like you're talking about Reynolds or Philip Morris, uh, right. and what, you know, established companies, uh, you know, these are, these are very fledgling companies that oftentimes have nothing more than addresses, uh, do not invest in these stocks until um, they get to the they get to the big time, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the reason that we talk about marijuana a lot on the show is simply because it's potentially um, expanding its use for different medical indications. There's been a lot of success in using it in epilepsy, for example. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are a lot of forecasts out there that show that you know, rising use of marijuana through legalization and through the expansion of medical marijuana laws. Uh, could have this industry growing 30% annually uh, for the next five to 10 years. So, you know, there's 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 definitely a, a, a big shift and potentially a market opportunity here. Uh, however, it's still in the very, very early innings. Matter of fact, I would say this is spring training. We're, we haven't even started the game yet uh, when it comes to marijuana. Oh boy, another sports metaphor that goes right over my uh, right over my head. No, I'm I'm just <laughs> kidding. I got that one. Thank you, Todd. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's exactly right. Um, and, and and that's really when you when you think about a lot of these sort of political issues, government issues, um, you really need to think very carefully before you start picking winners and losers because all too often it's really just too soon to know. Um, so. In in response to market volatility uh, today, um, uh, Andy Cross, our chief investment officer, wrote a note that was uh, sent to all Motley Fool members. Um, it's currently top of site on Fool.com, so check us out there, and you can and you can see it. Um, and if anyone, for whatever reason, isn't able to get it and just wants to uh, email and ask for it, um, I can certainly shoot you the link. That's industryfocus at fool.com, industryfocus at fool.com. Here was the quote, and I, I really appreciated this, and I think this really um, exemplifies the long-term Motley Fool ethos of investing when things get volatile in the markets. We believe in American capitalism regardless of who goes to work in the Oval Office or the Capitol. Today, and in the days ahead, we'll probably see movements in stock prices. Don't let your emotions get the better of you. Don't overreact. Markets will always swing during times of uncertainty, but remember, you're a true investor in businesses that create value for customers, employees, partners, 
and shareholders, and you're looking out years, not days or months. Remember that today is just one day in the market. We fools will keep investing for the future, with optimism as we always have in the way we always have. We're honored that you're doing the same. Um, and so with that, as always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks. So please, please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on.